Welcome to Genesis chapter 19. The two angels came to Sodom at evening. Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. Lot saw them and rose up to meet them. He bowed himself with his face to the earth and he said, See now, my lords, please turn aside into your servant's house. Stay all night, wash your feet and you can rise up early and go on your way. They said, No, we will stay in the street all night. He urged them greatly, and they came in with him and entered into his house. He made them a feast and baked unleavened, unleavened bread, and they ate. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, surrounded the house, both young and old, all the people from every quarter. They called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came into you this night? Bring them out to us, that we may have sex with them. Lot went out to them to the door and shut the door after him. He said, Please, my brothers, don't act so wickedly. See now, I have two virgin daughters. Please let me bring them out to you, and you may do to them what seems good to you. Only don't do anything to these men, because they have come under the shadow of my roof. They said, Stand back. Then they said, This one fellow came in to live as a foreigner and he appoints himself a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. They pressed hard on the man Lot and came near to break the door. But the men reached out their hand and brought Lot into the house to them and shut the door. They struck the men who were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. The men said to Lot, do you have anybody else here, sons-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whoever you, whoever you have in the city, bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the outcry against them has grown so great before Yahweh that Yahweh has sent us to destroy it. Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to marry his daughters and said, Get up, get out of this place, for Yahweh will destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be joking. When the morning came, then the angels hurried Lot, saying, Get up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the iniquity of the city. But he lingered, and the men grabbed his hand, his wife's hand, and his two daughters' hands, Yahweh being merciful to him, and they took him out and set him outside the city. It came to pass when they had taken them out that he said, Escape for your life. Don't look behind you. Don't stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be consumed. Lot said to them, Oh, not so, my lord. See now your servant has found favour in your sight, and you have magnified your loving kindness, which you have shown to me in saving my life. I can't escape to the mountain lest evil overtake me and I die. See now, this city is near to flee to, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape there. Isn't it a little one? And my soul will live. He said to him, Behold, I have granted your request concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you get there. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. 
Then Yahweh rained on Sodom and on Gomorrah sulfur and fire from Yahweh out of the sky. He overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities, and that which grew on the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he had stood before Yahweh. He looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and looked and saw that the smoke of the land went up as the smoke of a furnace. When God destroyed the cities of the plain, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the middle of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot lived. Lot went up out of Zoar and lived in the mountain and his two daughters with him, for he was afraid to live in Zoar. He lived in a cave with his two daughters. The firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old and there is not a man in the earth to come into us in the way of all the earth. Come, let's make our father drink wine and we will lie with him that we may preserve our father's family line. They made their father drink wine that night and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. He didn't know when she lay down, nor when she arose. It came to pass on the next day that the firstborn said to the younger, Behold, I lay last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine again tonight. You go in and lie with him, that we may preserve our father's family line. So they made their father drink wine that night also. The younger went and lay with him. He didn't know when she lay down, nor when she got up. Thus both of Lot's daughters were with child by their father. The firstborn bore a son and named him Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. The younger also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. He is the father of the children of Ammon to this day. It's a long chapter. Why was Lot sitting in the gate when the two soldiers arrived? And then why did he urge them so strongly to go to his house? Well, the reason for this, it seems, is because he knew about the deliberate inhospitality of the people of Sodom. There were stories that if people came to Sodom, they would have limbs cut off and, and all sorts of nasty things would happen to them. And Sodom, uh, Sodom was a place not friendly to strangers. In the previous chapter, we talked about Abraham deliberately showing hospitality, going out of his way to show hospitality to strangers. Now we've got the complete opposite of it here, deliberate inhospitality to strangers. That's probably why Lot was sitting at the gate, so that he could get anyone that came and, and try to, to you know, warn them or at least preserve them. And, um, but of course, the city of Sodom was destroyed. A lot of people have, have thought that homosexuality was the big issue here in Sodom. But a lot of the, the research about Sodom in more recent times doesn't discount that that was a big problem, but it thinks that the issue was the inhospitality. And of course, in particular, they're going out of the way to oppress others. And uh, the Lord, he, he's so patient. He's so kind. We've got illustrations in scripture where he pleaded with his people, the Israelites, for hundreds and hundreds of years, sending prophet after prophet. He's so patient that he, he doesn't just destroy people the, the minute there's a problem, but he pleads with them. 
And, um, but here with Sodom and Gomorrah, we've got an example of sins being so grievous and their sins being against others. You know, in churches, as, as a pastor and all around the world, pastors, they're so patient with people in churches when they have struggles. But when a person in a church deliberately oppresses others, the, a pastor has no choice but to say something and to deal with a problem. And uh, when I was in school in grade six, we had a principal that there was a bully in that school that was oppressing the other students, doing things like whipping them with skipping ropes and, and um, being mean and punching and fighting. And, and the principal refused to deal with this problem. In, in many other schools, that student would have been expelled uh, very, very quickly. But this student was not expelled. And by the end of that year, that more than 50% of, of the students in that school had been pulled out by their parents. Because the principal didn't deal with the problem, it resulted in, in parents pulling their kids out. And, I, and what we've got here in Sodom is, is an example of the Lord dealing with a problem, a problem that needed to be dealt with, a problem that the scripture says was so grievous and we don't even kind of understand the depths of the problem but you know, Abraham was negotiating down. What if only 10 good people are found? Like he knew that things were very, very bad in that city. And so I, even though the sexual sins were very, very bad, the biggest, the biggest problem here was actually this deliberate inhospitality going out of the way to harm and to hurt other people. Things like chopping off their legs and, and all sorts of stuff like that. And um, so the, angel, the angels get Lot and his wife and the two daughters and take them out of the city and tell them to flee and don't look back. And so we've got the fact that, that Lot's wife couldn't help herself. She looks back and she turns into a pillar of salt. But at the same time that all of that is happening, we've got Abraham who does look at the destruction of the city. Now, where he lived in Hebron was not close, 50 kilometers and probably uh, from, from my kind of researching on this, it doesn't seem like it's possible to have seen Sodom and Gomorrah from Hebron, even though Hebron's at in altitude and Sodom and Gomorrah are below altitude, like they're below sea level. Abraham had to travel to some distance to a vantage point, And it does say that he went to the place where he was talking with Yahweh. And from there he could see the destruction. And Abraham obviously knew at that point that there were not 10 righteous people in the city. And he must have wondered, did Lot survive? He must have been concerned. But Abraham was not turned into a pillar of salt. So what was the difference? Abraham looks at the city, but he's not destroyed for it. But Lot's wife looks back and she's turned into a pillar of salt. What was the difference between these two acts of looking on the city? Well, I believe that Lot's wife, she looked back at the city with longing. Her heart was in that city. All her belongings were there. But Abraham didn't look at the city with any longing to be a part of it, but he looked at the city with compassion. And so this is an illustration to us with, with, of the type of way that we should look at the world around us. The world is, around us is full of people who are worldly. Many of them are sinful. The majority of them are ungodly. And our heart should be to look at them like Abraham did with compassion and sorrow and concern for their well-being, but not look at them like Lot's wife, 
with wanting to be a part of it. So Lot's wife really had a desire to be a part of that world. Abraham had no desire to be a part of that world, but he had compassion for them. And this, is an illust this is, illustrates to us our attitude to, towards people around us in the world as Christians. We look at them and we have compassion for them and we pray. And so this, I think, is, is one of two big lessons we can learn from this chapter. One is that we should observe the wicked around us with compassion and prayer and sympathy. And at the same time, we should remember the lesson of why Sodom was destroyed because it had become so unrighteous and we remember that the Lord does destroy the ungodly and that one day there will be a judgment of all mankind. This particular judgment was, was brought forward because the sins were so grievous. But there's going to be a judgment of all mankind at one day. What's going to happen to everyone is no different to what happened to them. And so we're mindful of that lesson as well that there is a judgment that looms over all people. And it's, it's our place to be compassionate for them, to care for them, to intercede. Lord, we're mindful. We remember that we realize what the scripture says, that there's no one righteous. No, not one. That's what it tells us in the book of Romans. Father, we ask you to forgive us our sins and we cast ourselves on the mercy of the Lord. Lord, bring us into Christ. And then, Lord, we, we ask on behalf of the ungodly around us, let the truth be revealed to them. Let the truth of Christ be seen. I ask, Heavenly Father, for the spirit of truth to be at work around us and through us. Lord, may we be examples of godliness and examples of righteousness and at the same time be able to have compassion and truth in the one heart. Lord, strengthen us in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.